Hey there, I just wanted to kick off the show with a quick note that this episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by the inspiring team at Author Accelerator. There's never been a better time to get serious about that book idea that's been rattling around in your head. And working with an Author Accelerator book coach is the best way to write forward. Author Accelerator book coaches give writers feedback, deadlines, and step-by-step guidance while you write so that you can actually finish your book. Your book coach will give you the customized tools and blueprints to success that are so often lacking in the traditional publishing world. And if you think book coaching sounds like a gig you'd like to do, many authors and copywriters have the exact skill sets needed to become great book coaches themselves. Author Accelerator offers intensive book coach training and master classes so that you can help other writers reach their goals. Just head over to authoraccelerator.com slash writerfiles for more info and to get a free seven-day writing challenge to start mapping out your own book. That's authoraccelerator.com slash writerfiles. I will ask you about writer's block. Uh, how do you feel about it? Is it a thing? Have you ever experienced it? Is it a myth? Oh, writer's block is real. And I don't know of any other profession that has an analogous syndrome. But the thing about writer's block is that, well, obviously you can't write, but you perpetualize it and you catastrophize it. And like, oh my God, I can't write. My life is over. And of course, it always comes back in the end. I'm curious to hear what other writers have to say on this subject. I, I think in the end, it's probably something really banal, but beneath the surface, like maybe you changed your brand of B vitamins or something, <laughs> and, they for, and they forgot to put B6 in the new batch or something. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, is, is Occam's razor is the easiest answer is probably the right answer. Yeah, yeah. And I think something very of the world, which causes writer's block, unless... It's cosmic. So, you, mm. so you're always bargaining in your head, like, oh, maybe do something. <laughs> oh, but, oh, curse those muses. The Writer Files is brought to you by my friends at copyblogger.com. Words that work. Build your online authority with powerfully effective content marketing. Get superior content marketing education so you can build a remarkable online presence. Authors, bloggers, journalists, online publishers, and entrepreneurs, head over to copyblogger.com to learn more. That's copyblogger.com. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. And leave us a rating or a review over on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. Greetings and welcome back to The Writer Files. I'm your host, Kelton Reed. And this week I've put together a special episode of the show with some thoughts on the malady that we rarely care to whisper of, even on our most prolific days. We kicked off the show with the iconic international bestselling author of 14 novels, including the era-defining Generation X, Doug Copeland, with his thoughts on the subject. Thanks, Doug. Love that cosmic bit. Last year, I wrote a piece for a copy blogger titled How to Outsmart Writer's Block with Neuroscience, which I'll link to in the show notes, of course. And there are a lot of good resources embedded in that one. And that piece explored a handful of solutions to the accursed ailment. And I wanted to revisit it here with some past guests thrown in for humor and context. As you know, if you've listened to enough of the writer files, 
I dig into the habits, habitats, and brains of dozens of renowned and prolific authors, and I ask them roughly the same questions about their unique process as a survey of contemporary writers. We've always built it as kind of an inside the writer's studio meets the Proust questionnaire, and this makes for a treasure trove of knowledge to pick and choose from for writers. And just a reminder that you can find the entire archive at writerfiles.fm, and you can also support the show by just clicking the little yellow PayPal donation button on any of those episodes. So a little refresher course on the miracle of the human brain. There are approximately 86 billion neurons in the human brain, give or take a few million. And our next closest competitors in the animal kingdom are gorillas, who have around 33 billion, and then elephants with a more generous 257 billion. To put those numbers into perspective, the Milky Way galaxy has somewhere between 200 to 400 billion stars. Although other animals do have artistic tendencies, sadly, neither gorillas nor elephants have been able to write a best-selling novel. Neurons are responsible for how our brains process information and what makes creativity and thus writing possible for humans. So what happens when we feel like we can't write? This great quote from Jody Picoult, I don't believe in writer's block. Think about it. When you were blocked in college, had to write a paper, didn't it always manage to fix itself the night before the paper was due? Writer's block is having too much time on your hands. After interviewing neuroscientist Michael Gribko for the Writer Files podcast about the dreaded writer's block, which I will also link to, I started to understand just how important our brain and emotional health are to staying prolific. Michael is going to return to the show very soon to do an episode with me on procrastination, so look for that one. But to put it simply, when we feel like we can't tap into our creativity to get words onto the page, the neurons in our brains aren't firing in the way we would like them to. It's easy to use the tired trope of the writer's athlete, but it somewhat devalues the processes our brains engage in to communicate effectively with written prose. There are like 650 to 800 muscles in the human body, and it takes only about 20 to pick up a pen and scribble a note on a piece of paper. But in order to fire, Millions of complex patterns of neuronal activity in tandem, the brain has to be trained for years and years before becoming proficient enough to turn that stimuli and information into something useful. My friend Stephanie Flaxman over at Copyblogger says, quote, only amateurs have time to obsess to the point of frustration. Professionals have continual deadlines and they learn to put out their best work and move on, unquote. Writing is admittedly far more complex than simply lifting weights or learning to dribble and get a ball into a net, although fiction writers and pro athletes have been shown to engage similar brain activity. It's also easy to understand the superstitions and misconceptions that surround writer's block, and until recently we really didn't know that much about how the human brain works. Writer's block, my real story is this. When I was in college, um, I studied with Willie Morris, who and that was a great thing. A lot of writers were in that program right around that period. Donna Tart, John Grisham, just several people who went on to be writers. And uh, he brought William Steyer and James Dickey, a lot of these writers down. But one of the writers he brought was John Knowles, who wrote a separate piece. And Willie had talked a lot, with all respect to Willie, and he's passed away now. He talked a lot about writer's block in that class to the mm -hmm. point where it got kind of scary. So I remember a student asked John Knowles during the Q&A about writer's block, and he just got this bewildered look and said, what, what is that? That's, that's, just, that's just a fictional thing. That doesn't exist. I, he said, I, I'll never live long enough to get down everything I want to get down on the page. And that's exactly how I feel. I mean, if I open my Dropbox 
thing of book ideas on my cell phone, there's already more stuff there than I'll ever live to do. So, you know, writer's block in the sense of, oh, I'm paralyzed and I can't go on. I guess you could get yourself into that state, but mostly it's going to be a self-manufactured syndrome where you're, you're set, you know, you're, you've set in mind your goal is to, you know, okay, I'm going to be the next Jonathan Franzen or the next whatever. And so you're judging every single word you put down on paper and you just, there's just no point in doing that. That was hyper prolific, number one New York Times bestselling author Greg Isles, adding some fuel to the writer's block debate. On the same podcast I referenced earlier, I spoke with neuroscientist Michael Gribko about the many other famous writers who have discussed writer's block, from Toni Morrison to Joyce Carol Oates. Toni Morrison would tell her students that writer's block should be respected and not to try to write through it, whereas Ms. Oates doesn't believe it exists, but admits that, quote, when you're trying to do something prematurely, it just won't come. Certain subjects just need time before they can be written about. Stephen Pressfield, in his classic The War of Art, described writer's block as something closer to a supernatural force inside writers and artists dubbed resistance that shoves us away, distracts us, and prevents us from doing our work. But with our new understanding of how all these neuronal processes are connected in our brains, it's far easier to get a handle on why we may be blocked. Here's Michael Gripko. So one of the things we talked about in creativity is how knowledge is stored and information is stored in the brain. And briefly, knowledge really isn't stored like in a neuron. One neuron doesn't hold a piece of information. It's, it's represented, knowledge is represented as a group of neurons and how they behave both temporally and spatially. So it's the firing of large numbers of neurons which represents certain information and knowledge. Yeah. Now the brain has been broken up into a lot of different regions and we've kind of attach some functionality to these regions. For instance, hippocampus um, is known for for memory, spatial memory, uh, prefrontal cortex, kind of executive function. Um, Cerebellum has been linked to movement. And although there is functionality in these, these areas, it's not just these areas that control that aspect of a behavior. And all these areas are connected with one another. Um, Albeit some of these connections are indirect, but ultimately the brain is one organ. Mm -hmm. And it's not like a linear set of processes that happens to um, lead to a behavior. So this being said, this is really sets the framework that allows us to be creative. This, um, This kind of firing pattern in areas that fluctuates as behaviors change. And it's this kind of aspect of brain function that makes us associative learners and allows us to recognize these relationships between disparately connected items, sure. which is really the, the, the hallmark of being creative. So unfortunately, this connectedness can kind of have a downside. And I think <laughs> that's what also leads to being to writer's block. So for instance, our emotions can impact our productivity on a task. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other, you know, there's post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injuries, and they, although they may impact specifically one area of the brain, that may end up, because of this connectedness, that may end up having widespread effects and affect 
our behavior and our ability to perform on other tasks. So, you know, when an activity in the area of brain that is responsible for processing information we need to write effectively, then we may end up with writer's block. Yeah, yeah. So that brings us to the kind of the million dollar question for you. Um, how do we how do we avoid that? <laughs> right. Michael and I discussed a handful of the symptoms of feeling blocked and how to reframe them. Whether you're trying to write at a time that's not optimal for your creative output or simply not feeling like you can carve out the time, there are patches you can apply. We all operate on unique sleep-wake cycles, circadian rhythms, that originate in our brains. So if you're having trouble writing in the middle of the day, you can try writing later in the afternoon or evening when your cycle may bend more towards insight. In the article, How to Kill Writer's Block and Become a Master Copywriter in Only Three Hours a Day, Robert Bruce wrote about the famous copywriter Eugene Schwartz's hack of setting a kitchen timer for 33-minute increments. So the key takeaway is by changing your routine just a little bit or by setting some simple constraints where the only thing you can do is type words, these restrictions and deadlines can yield some bigger creative rewards. Michael's other great advice was to utilize your brain's tendency to work on a problem in the background and produce creative solutions when you least expect them. This is why many famous creatives rely on exercise, meditation, something Einstein dubbed combinatory play, and productive procrastination. They give your brain a chance to rest, parse out unneeded information, and help you cognitively. And sometimes it really just comes down to the science of just getting started. I recently found a great productivity article by James Clear titled The Physics of Productivity, Newton's Laws of Getting Stuff Done. He applied Newton's first law to productivity and the science of just getting started. Quote, objects at rest tend to stay at rest. Objects in motion tend to stay in motion. When it comes to being productive, this means one thing. The most important thing is to find a way to get started. Once you get started, it's much easier to stay in motion, unquote. I've heard this advice from many best-selling authors, and it seems to hold a lot of power, however reductive it may seem. Hugh Howey, the best-selling hybrid sci-fi author of Wool, also confided with me about beating procrastination. Open up the document, turn off the internet, and, and start writing. And if you're not sure what happens next in the story, skip to the part of the story that you know is going to happen and start writing there. My favorite part of his journey to globetrotting literary superstar is that he would write in a broom closet during breaks between his shifts at the bookstore where he worked. And yes, he did participate in NaNoWriMo. Look, you can't edit a blank page, period. Austin Kleon, best-selling author of Steel Like an Artist, who we talk about a lot on this show, has some great advice on this. He said, quote, writing a page each day doesn't seem like much, but do it for 365 days and you have enough to fill a novel. You do it for your whole life and you have a career, unquote. Okay, so now that you've broken that daunting infinite blank canvas down into tiny little manageable pieces, what's next? When I asked New York Times bestselling psychological thriller author Cynthia Swanson about writer's block, she reminded me about another great Jody Picoult quote. You might not write well every day, but you can always edit a bad page. You can't edit a blank page. Sometimes all you need is to change your mind. And Michael Gribko reminded me that very often our emotional states have an impact on how motivated we feel to write. We discussed an article by Maria Konnikova for The New Yorker titled How to Beat Writer's Block, 
that examines research by psychologists at Yale who noted the emotional states of writers experiencing block. And by getting the writers to focus on a creative project completely unrelated to their writing projects, they found success in changing their negative feelings about the writing. The author, podcaster, and executive director of the National Novel Writing Month, aka NaNoWriMo, Grant Faulkner, who was recently on the show, he had some thoughts on this. Well, let's talk, <laughs> let's talk a little bit pro- about procrastination because this is a subject that's pretty fascinating to me, especially around writing and writers. You know, and I think it's been, it's been written about more recently and studied by neuroscientists a little bit more at length, but uh, procrastination seems to be a thing that we can, you know, get caught up in and then make ourselves feel bad because, you know, ultimately I think what it comes down to is you start to think that you're, you start to tell yourself stories about like, you know, why you're lazy or why you're, you know, not a, not a creative or productive person. When in truth, it's, it, it can be more of an emotional state of mind, yeah. right? Yeah, I think it's more emotional in the end. I think, uh, what, from what I've read, uh, it's about fear, you yeah. know, or it's about something that's going to make us uncomfortable, which are both emotions and especially fear. And so that's why a lot of people don't. They say they want to write a novel. They say they want to write a novel someday. Someday rarely happens. And it's it's oftentimes because of the fear or the different types of emotional blocks we put between ourselves and what we want. Um, and so, yeah, I think it is emotional. I think um, I, I've, I've heard interesting interpretations of procrastination. You know, I know I know some writers think it's a good thing that that even though they're avoiding what they're supposed to be doing, their brain is working on the problems uh, kind of in the back of their almost, you know, unconsciously. Yeah. And, and so that when they finally arrive at the page, they'll be all the better for it. Uh, that said, it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous tool yeah. because there, there are other people who have avoided doing what they want to do for a whole lifetime. And so I think you have to reckon with your own procrastination and really look inward to think what is causing this, you know, it's, sure. it's, it's usually not a matter of, of effort. It's, it's not because you don't have the inner resources to put in the effort of the hard work. It's more about that emotional motivation that you're talking about. Another great hack for beating block, go to a coffee shop. Your brain will thank you. Michael Gribko also recommended working in a completely different environment than the one you're used to writing in. And science backs this up. Being around others who are hard at work on their own projects has been proven to influence our productivity and help us concentrate. It's literally contagious. From research examined in Cyblog's article, How to Concentrate Automatically Without Even Trying, quote, in the current study, we showed for the first time that the exertion of mental effort is contagious. Simply performing a task next to a person who exerts a lot of effort in a task will make you do the same. The ambient sounds of a coffee shop are enough to do the trick. But there's something also magical about the watchful eyes and attentive posture of all those other writers. Let's see also the smell of coffee. If all else fails, turn on your digital personal AI assistant and start talking. If you can talk, then you can turn on that little voice to text widget in your word processing app ask Siri to take a note for you, or hop over to otter.ai. And unsurprisingly, these apps yield words on a page that can be edited and massaged into far pithier sentences in the future. Here's prolific pro-comedy writer, author, and amateur parenting expert James Breakwell on writing 10,000 words in one day. 
come together really quick. And it's actually, I've tried writing this one in a new way. Uh, I know you always ask people how they, how they write. And usually I'm, yeah. so my first book I wrote on a computer. My second book I wrote mostly on my phone because I realized I was doing all my tweets and all of my online stuff on there anyway. Hmm. And it just worked really well. You don't hit the giant blank screen. It's a smaller blank screen. So it's less intimidating. And uh, I found that I could swipe words on there just slow enough that I wouldn't get distracted. By the time I got to the end of one sentence, I would know what to write for the next one rather than wandering off and browsing the internet. So I thought that was, you know, the most efficient way. But then with this this third one, I uh, I started using voice to text and uh, it changed everything. I wrote the first day I tried using voice to text. I, I wrote 10,000 words in a day. It, it blew me away. Wow. And I was really worried. I was like, well, those are 10,000 words. What if they're terrible? And I went back. And I mean, they were terrible, but they were first draft terrible. They were just as terrible as anything else I write yeah. on the first draft. So it was, that was really encouraging. So I think, so I've since then, I've, I've got an email list that I send out every week. And I've, every time I start a new article, I, I now always do the first draft voice to text because it gets it out there fast. You don't worry about going back and second guessing yourself or fixing what you did. And it just, it gets the bones of the article or the book down really fast. And I found that's the best way for me. Yeah, that's great because obviously writing is rewriting and yes. uh, you can't edit a blank page to other um, <laughs> tired tropes. But, uh, you know, I mean, I think so many authors have said, you know, or, you know, I guess uh, the Seth Godin quote is, I don't get writer's block because uh, I don't, you know, I, I write like I talk and I don't yeah. get, and I don't get talker's block. So <laughs> um, you just kind of put it to the ultimate test there and it seems to be working for you. Conclusion, until Elon Musk can implant and successfully interface those nanobots into our brains that will translate our thoughts and allow us to write 100 words a minute, this is as good a place to start as any. So have you run up against writer's block ever, or is that... Uh... Nah, that's no such thing. It's not. I mean, there, there's writer's block in the sense that, yeah, there are days when you sit down and you just don't feel like it, or you can't, you know, you're writing and what you're writing is shit. But, I mean, that's not writer's block, that's just you're having a bad day. You know? <laughs> right. And, uh, I mean, it's... And I say I do... I do, I do Think it's a, the the whole concept of writer's block. I think is a bit self indulgent uh, because you can write. You know, you, okay, so you're not writing up to the standard you're happy with. You're what you're writing, you don't especially like. Tough. Get on, write it. You can always go back and revise it at a later stage. You know, um, I, I've had occasional. I've had moments when I'm like, oh no, I've got writer's block, and you just kind of slap yourself around the face. You go, no, you don't. You're just sitting here. <laughs> get on and write, and you write it, and then yeah, you like say you look at it on the page, you go ah this is rubbish I god i you know um but that's the process i mean that is part of the process i think mm. it'd be very unreasonable to you know as a as any kind of creative to be honest to expect that your art will just kind of flow out of you onto the, the canvas uh, mm. you know yeah some days are like that um but as uh, lawrence block was known to say you know some days it flows and some days it's like trench warfare and yeah, I think that's the thing. I think, but I say to call it writer's block and act like it's a kind of condition. I always found that a little bit self-indulgent. I have to say. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for tuning in to this special edition of the Writer Files. For more episodes of the show, or to simply leave us a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. And please subscribe to the show to help other writers find us. You can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. See you out there.